The definition of regret is a feeling of sadness, repentance, or disappointment over an occurrence or something that one has done or failed to do. Tell me this, how often do you slack on yourself? We all know that in order to get to the places we want to be to achieve the things that we want to achieve, we need to start putting the work in now. Besides genetics, the reason why someone is where you want to be right now is because they've been doing it longer than you. So what's stopping you from actually getting there? How can we break down your strategy in such a way that you can start achieving your goals? Now, I won't speak on your behalf, but I'm assuming that you want to be the best version of yourself, right? Now, what I know for sure about myself is that I don't want my life to end knowing that I had more in the tank. I'm Deb Shaw, and this, this is Take Two. Is take two. You recently finished uh, 100k, right? Yeah. When? Um, last week, I think. Okay. Week before. How did that go? Good, yeah. Um, like, I've done it before, and I can do the ultra runs, but I haven't ran in, like, months. Um, kind of deliberately and kind of not deliberately, just because I was focusing on other training. But I also wanted to know that I can do that, like, worst-case scenario, that, like, no matter what happens, I have 100k in me any day of the week. Mm. Um, and I actually put it up on Instagram, just not even thinking about it. I was like, I think it was like anniversary or something of the first 100k I done. I was like, I can do this any day of the week. And a lot of people are like, you know, you're kind of, you're not telling the truth there. Like, I know you're good, but you're not that good and things. So I just decided like, look, I had Saturday free and I was like, I'm just going to head off and just do it. And so did you actually have people telling you like... Yeah, but like in fairness, if I was like having ran in months and I put up a post going, I can run 100 kilometers whenever I feel like it, it doesn't really sound realistic. Like, But okay. I knew mentally anyway, like I wasn't going to... Like I'm very big on like, can you stay true to what you said you do? Like long after the mood you said in his left, mm. um, which is a quote from Mickey Johnson. But like, that's how I do anything. Like I, I'm never going to break a promise to myself. Like that's not happening. It's not an option. So... When I say I'm going to do something, like, I have to wait until it clicks in my head. But the moment it clicks, like, that's getting done. I can't sleep or anything until it's done. So, like, I thought about running the 100 kilometers on, we'd say, like, a Wednesday. And then, like, we say Thursday or Friday clicked, and I just had to do it on a Saturday. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just had to be done and no other option. What is the first promise that you broke to yourself? I haven't broken. Like, Never. as I'm saying, like, I'm big on, like, whatever I do is getting everything I got. Like, yeah. If I say I'm going to do something, like... I'm Have you ever to... let yourself down, though? Not in, like, that kind of sense. Like, okay. if, if I said, like, it's going to be done and it's on me, like, if I can control it, it's going to be controlled. Um, And if I can't, like, if it's not done, I know that I gave it everything I had. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to leave no stone unturned. Like, I'm not going to leave a stone unturned. Like, it's going to be all-out effort. Like, I'm all in. Um. And it's also because, like, I don't want regrets. Like, I'm terrified of looking back on, like, I, I could have been better. I could have done this better, you know. So I think if I just give it everything I've got and I know then deep down, like, you can't lie to yourself. Like, yeah. you can distract yourself from, like, those thoughts and kind of shy away from them. But at the end of the day, you know that, like, you didn't give it 100% effort. So, like, I never want to feel that. I never want to say, like, geez, if I went an extra kilometer, like, I had that in me, I want to make sure that when I get to a point, I'm like, I don't have anything left. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm spent there. Like, I'm all out. And then looking back, I can be like, well, there was no more I could do. So whatever's in my power will be controlled. And, 
like that's with anything that's not just with fitness like i'll do that with lifting i do with boxing I do with running but if you ask me to clean this room i'm not leaving here until i know like okay i gave it everything that's the best i can get it and then there's no more i can do was there a turning point in that in that um like, i don't think so like i think like figuring was... out that understanding between i think yeah I, i'm going to assume anyways that a lot of people start out being control freaks and then it's probably a process figuring yeah. out this is something that is worth stressing stressing yeah. over because i can control it this i can't control let's move yeah. aside was there a turning point where you figured out listen I'm better off letting go of this thing that I can't control in order to get. Yeah, further. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a hard one to kind of deal with. Um, mm -hmm. I think I'm still working on it, still coming to yeah. terms with it. Um, still trying to improve on that, but like that control thing as well, it had to be how I was raised because like looking back, it's been there for as long as I can remember that, like, if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it. Um, and I've kind of kept like such a tight circle my entire life that there were there wasn't many like external factors that could influence it. Like with boxing, especially school, that was basically my entire life for well, over a decade. Like just school boxing, it was very locked in, so there wasn't much that could go wrong. Mm. There was a lot of things that I could just control. Like I could control the time I wake up, what I do in school, like how I come from school to training, and then training itself. It was very much something that no one else could interfere with then you get a little older and a lot of things kind of come into play you have to deal with them but i kind of kept it tunnel visioned on those two things and yeah then like things start going wrong as you said where you can't control it um covid being a big one like i couldn't control that so do you have any injuries i've never had an injury wow never not once um well i hurt my hamstring on that run the other day but like <laughs> other than that nothing no injuries. nothing no um, freak no. Nothing. acl no. that's that's a big fear yeah it's like one of my biggest fears acl yeah like i had three knee surgeries yeah no i was like, at 19 i don't want to touch that fucking hell <laughs> yeah no that's pet that's amazing like yeah no, i, I, I wish no we, injury on anyone like, you mobility know? and flexibility and all that that's not my strong point like i don't know how i've yeah. been injured but that's like, what i was going to ask you like how do you escape i don't know concussion uh yeah i haven't concussed you no. okay I haven't. <laughs> head yeah, injuries are a completely like, yeah. different story yeah, the sport as well boxing yeah no yeah we've all been there um but yeah like things that you can't control i'm mm. kind of just coming to terms with that now because yeah. i think as you like um step forward in the sport and in anything really you kind of have to put trust in other people you have to allow yourself to get help from others and that was something i didn't really want to do yeah like the business side of we say the sport when like I turned professional I had to deal with promoters, had to deal with managers, had to deal with like so many things, um, matchmakers, you know, questions like that. I had to like allow them to have some control over my career and that was something that I just did not want to happen. Um but then again I have to like I can't look back now and be like I shouldn't have let this person do it because at that point like that's what I felt was right you know I've always made a decision to follow my heart I've always followed what I felt was right so again looking back knowing that I couldn't do much more mm. looking back I can say I made the right decision like my intentions were right at that time I believed that was the correct thing to do um yeah that's what I think as well so mm. I think again avoiding regret just making sure that I'm not picking up any regrets along the way and 
if keep going like that and it's gonna be smooth yourself for certain mistakes that you would yeah. have made in that point in time i think something that a lot of young athletes get wrong is going signing too early on yeah or pro- the wrong promoter the wrong manager the wrong agent 100 percent. right now you're 21 right or yeah. 22 yeah. 21 what is your boxing career at standstill yeah um yeah it is let's uh, talk about that a little bit yeah so i signed i turned professional at the age of 17 in mexico um i was still in school i was in sixth year so i took if i actually left on a thursday flew to mexico Went in, fought, flew home, was back in school on the Monday. Mm. Um, all done deal, turned professional, got my license, went back on midterm break, um, fought a few more times professionally during that year. Then there was about a year gap, but I was still moving forward. I was speaking with management. Um, I moved to LA, you know, came back on a training camp there, kind of a trial run um, as such, had a fight again. Then came back home. I signed with that management and then came home for two weeks, supposedly, what it should have been. Then COVID hit. So, look, everyone was affected by that. Um, it just threw something that we didn't expect into the, the works. Yeah. Um, just postponed everything, really. We worked on it for a few years. Um, I moved to Thailand in the meantime to kind of continue training, continue moving. That country was open. Everything was normal out there. So... Went to Thailand, done everything needed to get through um, into the country. Amazing place. Like, that was probably the best moment of my life so far, which is an interesting one because there was never a plan to go there. Like, that was completely unexpected detour, um, which also helps with the thing of letting go a little. Yeah. Like, if the best place I've ever been was one that I never expected to go, like, then all these other detours, like, I'm open to them as well because I don't know if that's the next best place it's going to be, you know? Um, came home and my visa was denied for no apparent reason. I've never gotten a reason for it. Um, trying to work on that, um, but, like, it was going nowhere. So, as of right now, I'm a free agent. Um, got out of the contract, you know, I'm just... Figuring out where to go from here. Um, I've launched a business, Innovate, as well, which is personal training and nutrition coaching. Um, so trying to sort out where do I go with all these other things. Um, and again, I'd have to let go with a management and manager and let go of control again, which I've done once and I've kind of been burnt by. So to do it again is just put myself out there one more time. But yeah, I'll get back in the mix. I'll figure it out and go from there. How does it work, though? Like... In boxing, would people essentially approach you? Like, do you to have to be... You? Yeah, to sign. Do you have to yeah, get a few you would. fights? Um, yeah, I think, like, I've been promoted. Uh, as such, yeah. Like, I've been, um, I suppose, asked by a good few managements and, like, management companies to sign with them. But it depends on where you want to go in the sport. Like, I'm... I where do you want to go? I don't really want to waste my time in a level that I don't really believe I should be at if that makes sense like I have my entire life I've had visions of going larger than I know the level that those managements can get me on that makes sense so explain it like there's there's levels to this game there's levels with the boxers there's levels with the managers and it's a point of finding a manager that can take you from the level you're at to the manager to the level that you want to be at um or closer to that level and look it's not an easy sport um we spoke about earlier like that the head injuries and all that it's not an easy sport by any means so 
find out what works best for me, what works best for the management, what works best for the team. And again, I have to feel like I want to be there. Like I have to feel like it's the right decision to make. And like the last one, I felt like the, it was the right decision to make. So like, I loved it. Like I have nothing but respect for those people. The next one has to be that as well. So I just have to you know, figure out where to go from here and then just go and do it. And what is the process like for you to get into the ring that you want to be at? Are we talking about Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, that sort of stuff? That's that's the that's the that would be the goal every fighter would have. Yeah, like they're the pinnacle of especially my weight division. Of like course. they're the they're the top lads. They're like the top lads to get there. Like it's not as unrealistic, but it's not something that you would do shorter. Like that's not happening overnight as such. Like you need, you need a lot of work. You need a lot of people to come in and help. And you need a lot of luck as well. Like right time, right place to get to that level. Like they're superstars. Um, and there's a reason that you only call out those names and I knew straight away who they are because there's very few of those. So yeah. to get there, you have to just play all your cards right. You have to do everything that's needed. A lot of hard work, a lot of talent as well. You have to win the fights that are given to you. Um, but yeah, just to get there. It's time as well. Yeah. Like it's not a league where no. you just keep going up. It's no. just figure out the right matches sort of. Yeah. You, Matchmaking. You could, you could get an opportunity then as well that comes out of nowhere that yeah. like fighters have got, like gotten, they've won. And then they're superstars overnight. They ah, go from... Like they get picked known, up by the next boxer, sort of. As such, yeah. Mm. Like, And in the boxing circle, we'd know fighters that like the general public wouldn't. And then overnight, everyone knows who they are. Andy Ruiz, for example. Yes. Like, I knew who Andy Ruiz was. I followed his career, like, for as long as I've seen him anyway. Santi, Anthony Joshua. And the whole world knows who he is. He's a superstar overnight. Literally. So, like, that's an opportunity that, like, he might have never gotten and no one would ever know his name. Very true. But he got that opportunity like in a second and there we go, like, you know. So, so you... It's, it's a tricky uh -huh. one. So you have to find like a good team. Yeah. yeah. But the team is everything in anything, like not just boxing. Like yeah. the people you have around you can get you, like they can make or break you. Is it worth me asking, are you good being based in Ireland or are you just still waiting on that visa to yeah, the US? Um, I think being based in Ireland was not the plan I had. Like, since I was 15, I always wanted to move away. Yeah. Um, Especially through boxing. I said, like, America was kind of where I wanted to go. New York was actually the place I had in mind. Don't know why, but ended up in California. But I think, like, America or England. But then again, I might be wrong because there's some fantastic fighters coming out of Ireland, um, coming out of Dublin, coming out of, sure. you know, up towards Northern Ireland um, that are based here. So... You know, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I don't think Ireland is as far ahead as other countries like the UK or America. Um, I think they're ahead of the curve. I think there's better opportunities out there. Um, but I think the risk out there is a lot larger as well. There's a lot of people waiting to take your place. Whereas in Ireland, you could, we say, have a few slip-ups but you're still a name that people remember, whereas out there you're forgotten about overnight. So it's like, it's a blessing and a curse. Are you comfortable with that though? Or uh, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming it would light a fire under your ass. Here? There. 
Oh, being yeah. over there? Yeah. Oh, like um, having that risk? Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of pressure on, but there's a pressure on anyway. Like yeah. you get in that ring. Exactly. Like I, I, personally, I would treat every fight like it's the big one. You know, like every fight I have is the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think every fight is the same because if you lose this one, there will be no big one or it'll be a lot more difficult to get that big one. So I think there's a lot of pressure on fighters, especially in this day and age because you can't lose that undefeated record. Like... Mm-hmm. It's like, I know people have bounced back, but there's such an obsession with yeah. you can't get beat. How, how do you feel about that? I appreciate the perfection of that zero. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. But I also think that right now the way boxing is, is that like the matches that people want aren't happening because yeah. these boxers are afraid of losing their zero versus... Canelo, Canelo fights so many times throughout the year, right? Yeah, he does. He and he lost one like yeah, recently. Evil. He comes back. Like He's I feel like that guy is just. I'm not saying he doesn't care about losing. He loves to win, of course. He's working for legacy. He's like, working for legacy again. Like look at Canelo. Like when he lost the Bivol, people wrote him off. Like he's no good. And you're like, yeah. You can't say that. You you can't say that. But then he comes back and it's just like, ah, oh, fuck you. Now you're my fans again. Yeah. You know that that's the way the world is. I think Does it's the obsession sense? with like he could have fifty wins, but if you have one loss, it's like who beat you? Mm. And then they'll go look at him. Whereas no one cared about who yeah. did you beat to get those yeah. fifty wins. Um, isn't it ruining the sport though? Like, isn't part of sport losing? Yeah, you have to protect that. All like you have to protect that. Okay. No, like I, I agree with I, I agree. <laughs> I don't really mind the undefeated record as such, like being a fan watching it. Like if there's two exciting fighters on, I don't care about the record. Like okay. once they're good and they're fighting, they're going for it, they're passionate, like it's an amazing Someone fight. has to win. It's entertaining. Yeah. Someone has to win. Yeah, exactly. Um looking back at all the old fights, like Muhammad Ali, I couldn't even tell you his record. You know, like I don't think many people could. Because no one really cares about the record. Like Joe Fraser, that whole era. Tyson. Tyson, like no one actually knows the records, you know. Um, they might tell you who beat him, they might tell you that night, but sure. don't know. Oh, he was undefeated. But I think now it's bragging rights. Like Floyd kind of changed the game, it as is. in no one can beat me, and people hated him for that. Like, oh, this person can beat you, and then they failed. So he's like fifty tried, fifty failed. Like no one else is going to beat me, and people are just obsessed. And I think you can play that to your advantage as well with the kind of hater thing. Like, mm-hmm. no one can touch me and you're undefeated. But then once you lose, it's like it's a downhill then from there. Like, as you said, people jump on and they're like, oh, he's no good. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one with the sport. It's a weird one. But I think the big names will stay there regardless. Yeah. And what about yourself, though? Like, are you f- afraid of, of losing, like, losing uh, that? No, um, yeah. not really. No, like I'd, I'd like to win them all. Of course. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't be terrified of losing them. Yeah. Like as I said, like the thing with the control, like it, for me anyway, when I enter the ring, it's, I'm at a point where I believe, I have full belief in myself, like undeniably that I've done everything I could possibly do to be the best possible version of myself in that ring. Like that entire training camp, my entire life, I've left no stone unturned. So here I am. It's like, it's not just like me and you now. It's like all the work I put in, all the work you put in, it's my character, it's your character, like it's my will, it's your will, it's how much I want it versus how much you want it. Like everyone's talented at a certain level. It's like what like what can you do? What can I do? And if I know that I couldn't have done any more in that training camp, I couldn't have done anything else, 
then I'm, I'm content with whatever happens, you know, like, I believe that my best version of, like, that this version of me will beat you, so that's why I'm in the ring. Mm. And the other fighters have the same mentality, like, that best version, but if I do come out on the other side of a decision, it's like, nothing I could have done could have changed it anyway, so you have to live with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you make a mistake in the ring and it does cost you, that happens. Like, they're small gloves. Like, I tell everyone, those eight ounces hurt. Like, it just takes a split second and it could be lights out. So, you got to get up, like, dust stuff off as well. But um, I've never experienced a loss as a pro, so I can't speak from that perspective. Like, I can't speak from bouncing back from that as such. Um, and as an amateur, my mindset was a little different where I never focused on the amateurs. I always wanted to be a pro. So, I saw the amateurs kind of experience. Like, if you told me the best person possible was in my weight division or in a weight division above or under i try to get there i try to get into the ring with them i might go and spare them i'll go fight them just want to learn from them so i saw the amateur game as kind of preparation for the professional game okay so let's let me stop you right there so there was a strategy behind you going for those amateur games i think well i think like my my goal um Mm. being young like 11 10 11 was to become pro yeah i would just keep doing what i'm doing until i could legally turn professional at 18 so would you like put yourself in certain not put yourself in certain situations but were you taking up fights to go listen i i know this guy not as better than me but like let's say if you're 11 and you're facing a 13 to 14 year old sorry about that um you know maybe like this guy has a like further reach okay, i was saying, saying yeah yeah okay put yourself on the line like yeah that. yeah okay um, so you were challenging yeah, you were like, putting yourself i'd have no kind of like the sheep in the lion's cage not not necessarily like I, w- I was good as a youngster you're the baby cub not not necessarily no but i was i wouldn't have like strategized a way around getting like easy titles or okay like what's the easiest way for me to get mm they all earned like what's how can i collect the most medals without risking as much i never really worried about it like if you told me there was a fight on saturday i'll go to the fight on saturday like i'm i'll like happily go in there you don't even like you don't have to tell me who it is like i'll go like it doesn't make a difference to me you know okay um and again there was no fear of losing because one i was full belief in myself to win and two I wasn't really worried about the record. Like I wasn't, the amateur record never worried me, you know, like I didn't, not that I didn't care, but my goal was never really based on the amateurs. Like, okay. I think to go after, like if I said I want to go to the Olympics, it wouldn't have been my goal. I would have been chasing what my goal should have been. Whereas my goal was turn pro. Like I used to be Mm. fascinated. I still am like fascinated by professional boxers. So I was like, I want to be there. So I was just, doing as much as I possibly could so to become the best possible version of myself to be pro I really like what you said there because uh, that's why I kind of like pushed not your back against the wall but uh, I think what I'm getting from what you said is your goal was further it was you were thinking big you were dreaming yeah. big therefore the little mishaps along the way didn't matter to you no because you knew that this is where you belong more for the cookie jar like yeah in you're getting experience in the bag. Whereas I think a lot of people, and you might, you would have a lot to say about this, but I think when it comes to young people in sports, uh, most of the time when they 
fall out of love with a sport is because they were taking it so seriously from such a young age and focusing on the wins that when they turn 13, 14, 15, then they get burnt out. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I keep losing. But it's like... I think as well with people that age, it's if you're doing it out of pure requirement, Mm. you're going to burn out. Like, I love... Like, my love for the sport will never fade. It's like something I love. So if I show up, like... My mentality is like if I'm in the gym and I don't want to be in the gym, I'll go do something else. Mm-hmm. But as that has never happened. But like I re not that I hate, but it annoys me if like I've been in gyms, I've been abroad, I've been with a lot of different fighters as teammates. If they come in and like they're just giving off a weird mood, they're giving off a bad vibe, they don't want to be there. Like I'll tell them leave. If there's no one forcing you to be here, like if you don't want to be here, just go do something else. Like I don't see that. Like, I don't relate to that mindset. Like, if I didn't want to box, like, if I didn't, not to to enjoy it as a weird mood. Like, if I wasn't passionate about it, I wouldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't show up to the gym every day. Like, it's my decision to be here, so I'm going to come in here and do it. Like, I'm not going to take it for granted, you know. Um, It's, I'm going to appreciate that I have, I suppose, the opportunity to go to the gym every day and train. Um, So I think... If you're doing a routine, if you're doing it out of, well, I am a boxer, so I should go to the gym five days a week. Yeah. You're going to burn out real quick because that should is going to be like, that's going to turn into torture. Like when you don't want to go, you're going to be like, oh, I should go. I know. But I don't want to go. I know. That's the weird thing about finding that balance between if you really feel like you don't want to go on a run. Yeah. And then you put your shoes on and you're going to run and you feel better, right? So yeah. thank God you did that. But so I feel like we need to, uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out that balance between even if I don't want to do it, I know I should do it because I'll feel better afterwards versus if you really hate this sport, but you keep doing it yeah. and it's burying you to the ground, then yeah, you have to turn back like and close the door yeah. onto the next chapter. 100%. And it's like, how do you figure that balance out and maintain it throughout like your daily life where, because there's going to be a shit ton of things that you don't want to do. You know? Yeah. That you won't enjoy doing. That you won't but enjoy doing, but you have to do it. Yeah. I think the passion will have to weigh the enjoyment there. Passion. Like if you're passionate about it, mm. I think you'll, you'll know, like the way I was saying, you can't lie to yourself. Like if I'm in, like there's been so many times over the years where, like, as you said, I just didn't want to be there. As such, like, oh, I'm tired or I'm sore. But, like, I'll ask myself, honestly, be like, well, do you not want to be here as such? Like, on a bigger picture, do you not want to be here? Because this can be your last training session. And that's going to kick me right into gear where I'm like, no, actually, I want to be here. And then I'll go do my training session and I'll do what needs to be done. But I think that requires a lot of honesty with yourself as well. Um, Like, those questions are easier for me to say now because I've done them a lot. Like, I've done a lot of self-work. I've like done that inner work I've I've grown as a person I I know myself like I'm I'm real familiar with who I am uh you know like I've made that a priority as well over the past few years where like all those long runs like I'm not a runner I have no intention to race I've nothing like I'm never going to be competitive but I like running because like especially that distance it removes the skill like it's pretty a basic thing you just are running and you keep running and like I don't listen to headphones, or like I don't have headphones. I don't listen to music. Don't listen to podcasts. So essentially, I had eleven hours by myself doing something difficult. And like 
there's a lot of inner dialogue there. There's a lot of self-talk going on during that 11 hours. And like, there's no distractions either. Like the only person I met during the last one was the person at the shop when I was getting food and water. Like that was it. So there's zero distractions on that. And like that work as well. Like if I reveal a part of myself that I don't really like during those runs, like if I'm thinking to myself, I might quit here or geez, like, am I actually going to fall back on my word? I can like reveal it, isolate it and just kind of break it down as such. But that's on a larger scale. That's a big run, but like, it doesn't start there. Like there was a lot of steps to get there. Um, so speaking from it, from the person I am now is a little bit different because it's easy for me as such. Like I can do it routinely. I know who I am. I know how my mind works. Um, but I think back then, like you just have to do the necessary steps. Who were you back then? Or how were you back then? Pre inner work. I think I've always been aware though. Like I think the awareness I've had has like, again, been a blessing and a curse. Like since I was so young, um, for instance, like, I know you offered me a drink earlier, but I've never had alcohol. Like, I've never tasted it. But it's because at, like, 10 years old, I'd walk into a gym and I had all these trainers telling me, you should be like this person. He's the next best thing. Like, she's the next best thing. They're 15, 16 years old. They're going to be the best thing Cork has ever seen, Ireland has ever seen. I'll go to the year after. I'm 11, I'm 12. Those people aren't there. And I'm like, geez, where did they go? Oh, they're not boxing anymore. They're gone. But this is the next best person. And I look at them and they're my idols. And then they fall away the year after. And I kind of came to the realization that everyone that gets to 15, 16, 17 goes down a different path where they get drink, like drugs, like um, relationships, partners go all off the rails. And I kind of like had the awareness, okay, so if I just stay away from that, I won't slip off path. Mm. Like it's that easy. Like if I just... Not that I'll be more talented than them, but I can just outlast the people that won't be as focused as I am. So, like, having that awareness at such a young age had to be from upbringing, had to be from being in the environment, like, in the gym, in school with older people. Um, So they would have definitely rubbed off on me. Like, if I was around focused athletes, they would have had that influence on me at a young age where I'd want to be like them. I'd want to be so focused, but I never switched off, so... Like, I made that kind of decision at that age, like, 10 or 11. Like, I just won't go drinking. I won't do drugs. And I, when we get to 16 or 17, I might be one of the best at this age, but I will be one of the best then because everyone else is after fading away and there's only a few of us. So having that awareness then was kind of cool, but then it also left me kind of isolated, whereas when everyone else started going down that path, I was like, no, I'm definitely going nowhere near that path because I know what's going to happen. And like, it's weird looking back now talking about it because no 11 year old should be able to kind of pick that up on his own or Mm. 10 year old or whatever. And kind of make that such like strong decision where it's 10 years later and I still haven't touched it. It's a different, like a fear. Yeah, I think a lot of things will be from fear as well. Fear of, like, I am scared of becoming like them and this, this, that, because... I think it's regret again. Like, if I did do that, I think I would regret it in 10 years. Like, if I'd done it at the age of 15, I know I would be regretting it now because I'd be wondering, well, where could I have been? Yeah. So I think it's that fear of regret again. I'm trying to figure out the next question here because I really want to come off and make sure that 
I'm not like trying to pressure you into drinking and all that. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I guess so. Uh, so if you, uh, whoever's listening or watching, whatever, just I'm not trying to make him drink. Grant. Anyways, but that was before. <laughs> but uh, you do under. Obviously, I'm sure you understand that one glass of beer yeah. isn't going to yeah 100% kick you off like uh, and that's another thing like yeah. my mindset like as I said I'm real familiar with who I am is it just stubbornness to a certain extent mm, too not necessarily like okay. I again I know how my mind works like yeah. as, as I said I spent enough time working on it I have a very obsessive mindset oh addictive like, personality it doesn't yeah. matter what I do like I'm I have to be incredibly careful and selective with what I allow myself to focus on like it could be anything I can you remember on Netflix when they had the CrossFit Games? Mm. I watched that and I got obsessed with CrossFit. And I could tell you every single person what their biggest lifts were, what their strong points were, what their weaknesses were, where they'd probably place, like top 15, like all this. I was addicted and I had to pull it back. And like, I don't know about boxing. I can do it with like bodybuilding. Got obsessed with that. Like all the athletes, just how it works, how you can train, all these different things. But I'll do it on anything, like painting, like podcast, drawing. It doesn't matter. Like, um, So I can use that to my advantage and do like beneficial things like training, yeah. nutrition, where I know they're going to benefit me. That addiction is going to benefit me. Mm-hmm. But then I could also let that slip. Like I know I could have one. But I think the setting would have to be very, very careful with me because I'll try and beat whoever's in that room. <laughs> And then I'll try and beat myself the next time and the time after that. And that's just, uh, yeah. but that's with a lot of things as well. It's just that's my mentality. For sure. I, I I was like that too. Yeah, I think, like, uh, I think it's an athlete thing as well. I think a lot of yeah. athletes, uh-huh. I think that's why when they retire as well, they struggle with addiction because they need something that will fill the obsession and addiction of the sport. So like, it's the same thing. It's just applied to something else. It's just applied to a different area that's when I kind of recognized my competitive personality. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely competitive. I'm very competitive. I seen you at that um, workshop the last day. You're like, I'll definitely outlift him. Oh, yeah. Like, I I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me because (laughs) I can't do much because my knees are in absolute shambles. Yeah. So I'm one of those people that, like, if I... If I watch a documentary on, like, let's say basketball, I'm like, yeah, give me a few years and I'm playing basketball for the national team. I think as well, that's another thing. Like, it's not that they're better than you. It's that they've just applied themselves to that thing for longer. And I look at that as well. It's not that, like, no one's, they're only better than you because, well, take genetics out of it. Because that plays a massive part with the elites in anything. For sure. Like, I'm not tall. I'm not going to be good. Like, look, I'm not going to be, like, I'm not going to be heavyweight world champion of the world. Like, I don't have the genetics to do it. Yeah. But take genetics out of it. Like, you could literally do anything if you're able, if you had, a, like, a solid program. Well, like, a solid structure in place that you know will, is the path to get you to that level. And, obviously, you have to have the opportunities there as well. But... Like to play a basketball, if you figured out how to become better at basketball, it's just a matter of work ethic and time. Yeah. And I view that the same as anything. Like we're like I'm gonna use running because it's just the easiest easiest example for me. I could only run like ten kilometers when I was running because I'm a boxer. Like I don't have to run much longer. And I said, How can I get better at running? And I just applied myself to it, applied myself to it, and I'm like, the only reason the runners are better than me 
apart from genetics, is they've just applied themselves to this a lot longer and they've done the work that I haven't done. And if I decide to do it, I can. Um, so I think if you have that awareness as well, you can look at things going, if I want to be better than that, I can just become better at it. Yeah. Now you can just go do it. And then you just go do it and you just watch and learn and not get intimidated. Learn, learn is a big one as well. Yeah. Like learning learn. from other people. Like, I think, what is it? You can't learn the process. Learning is the process. Mm. Like, yeah. Like I always, so my sport, my lost sport back home. So I started out in martial arts. I, yeah. I used to do karate. You can tell. I can actually tell. Karate, really? I can actually tell, yeah. Tell me why. No, there's just, I think fighters can tell if another person yeah. has fought before. I, it, when I have kids, yeah. I am shooting them into a martial arts class. I They can really? choose whichever, completely. Mm. I think flexibility or gymnastics and then BJJ. Yeah, that's what Le- I Elite am. humans were creating there. Yeah, we didn't have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu back home. So for me, it was karate and gymnastics. Yeah. Speed, discipline, strength, yeah. flexibility. And then gymnastics, like you're just adding in Freaks a little bit. Freaks and nature. Freaks come uh, like the body Simone Biles, her fucking thighs are <laughs> like massive. I remember just watching her at the London, like obviously on the yeah. telly. Um, when she just fucking came out, those flips in the air. It's you're crazy. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Anyways, um, so when I have a kid, they're going into martial arts class. Whoever has a kid, put them into martial arts. I think it's incredibly important do. as well. Like. If I walk into a room, like I think now, I don't know if it's from experience or just a little bit of age, like time mm-hmm. maturity, but like I'm not really anxious anymore. Like if I walked into a room before, I'd kind of be a little worried, just a little anxious of people being in there and like not that what are they thinking of me, but I don't like conflict as such. Like I hate it. In the ring, it's great. Like I love it. I'm mm. all for it. Like anyone. Like the only time you can confront someone. Yeah, but like outside, I just don't want, I don't want to near me. Um, but now I think I come to the realization that anyone that can fight doesn't fight. Like anyone that is dangerous. Like I've been in the room with the most dangerous people that I've met and I've never felt safer. It's it's crazy to think of that. Like I've been in the room with like a, a military men, like people who have taken lives and have never felt more at peace. Like they've contr- they have it under control. And I think the people that don't have it under control aren't as dangerous as they seem. So like as you said putting the kids into like a martial arts not only is it like good for self-defense good sport like good for strength good for like building them up to do whatever they else like whatever else they want to do in life it like the discipline there where if i think if everyone done a martial art there would be almost no conflict because mm-hmm. everyone's so chill like it'd be like cool you can fight i can fight i know that we're good like yeah. shake hands let's go exactly like i think the people that do initiate conflict just for no reason like are people that can't really like step up and act on it like they're not people that are as dangerous as they seem you know i think it also boils down to the way the gym is run yeah where you can't step out of line where you can't step out of line like the senseis the coaches whatever they have to be in complete control you have respect for them as well Respect for, respect for them, but also, like, I think what's really important where Malta, uh, for my context, where it kind of goes wrong is they tend to focus on the top kids in the class. Yeah. And then whatever else, like, whoever else you're on, Team B, it's not just for martial arts, it's for any sport. And you lose, like, you end up putting all your eggs in one basket the moment that one player 
is out, injury, whatever, then the entire thing is in shambles. Yeah. And I think it's the same probably for a martial arts gym where if you've got one player that is a sore loser or just yeah. generally rough, doesn't have like their mind intact. Sometimes you don't know what's happening at home too, where the only time yeah, they have, they can like lash out is yeah, <laughs> in class. But that is like, if they are scaring other kids off, you're screwed too. Yeah, I think as well, that's where the responsibility of like mm. each athlete comes down. Like if you know that you have like, that you have people looking up to, if you know you have influence and most people in the gym will have influence especially if they're at that top level where they're the top people in the gym like you have a responsibility there to be a role model for those younger athletes like i don't really mind like if you say that you don't want to be an influencer or you don't want to influence people you are influence them whether you like it or not you know oh i know in the gym as well so you kind of have to step up to that role like if you want to be the best in the gym it requires more than just being a good fighter or a good athlete whereas you being a like a good role model as well for the younger people because that's going to set the example you know they have to respect you and like i think that's a big thing i've learned as well like when i turned at 17 i got a like i got a respectable amount of immediate attention and like publicity and things and i knew that at certain times i would be seen by like a good amount of people and especially coming from being a sixth year in school a lot of those people would have been a lot younger than me. So I had to, like, not, because I had to be who I was anyway, first of all, but I had to be, like, the best version of who I was. I had to put out things to be, like, you, just to benefit them. You know, put them on, a like, the correct path. Make sure that they're not, I'm not given an influence that could, as you said, like, push them out or, like do anything that would affect their growth and their like improvement and their process, you know? So I think being in the gym, being like an older person in the gym, not even necessarily being anyone in the gym, you kind of have a responsibility for those around you and those coming up behind you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people lash out when they're like, I never signed up to be a role model. Don't look at me as a role model. And I'm like, grand, sure. I appreciate the fact that no one just signs an agreement when they become an influencer to be like yeah "Yeah, little kids look up to me but I do perceive when I see people on social media with a massive platform I think it's like you must understand that you are responsible on how you use it yeah and if you just constantly if your way of growth is constantly triggering people (laughs) then yeah that i think just that just says a lot about how you are as a person and where your values are at you value money and the x amount of followers and all that kind of stuff versus actually being a sound human i think social media is an interesting one because it's like you you can blow up on it yeah but you really have to be who you are like i've made like authenticity a priority where like Anything I say, anything I post, anything I share is me. Like, no one has ever told me this is what I want on my page. Like, I've been approached by a lot of, like, brands. I've been approached by, like, big brands as well. And I've turned them down because there's no one going to have control over my page. That's not ever going to happen. Like, this is mine. If you send me a post saying we want this caption, it's not happening. Like, not a hope. Because no one else is going to put out anything where I have where it's my kind of influence. 
So no one's going to use my influence in a way that I don't want it to be used as such. Like if I want to share something, it's me. Like I'm posting it, I'm sharing it. This is my belief. This is what I feel is beneficial to me and all of you. This is what this is why I'm sharing it. So like I see if social media was gone, I'd continue to do what I'm doing. Like I'd continue to train the way I do, continue to think the way I do, read, like grow, improve. So when I share things, it's kind of for everyone else out there. Mm. Like all my supporters, and which I'm incredibly grateful for because like, I've connected with them as well. Like it's not just like they support me, comment on my things, like whatever. I've connected with them all. Like when I fight all the messages, I've made it like... I have a thing as well that if anyone messes me, I have to answer it. Like, I'll have no message requests. Like, I can't deal with it where, like, I'll see people as well and there'll be comments on their, like, photos and they're never replied to. And I'm like, yeah, I get it if you have millions where you can't go through them. But, like, I'll spend an entire day, like, I'll pull an all-nighter just to reply to messages and comments, like, after fights and things. And it's just because, like, if they take time out of their day, I'm going to take time out of mine, you know? money as well like yeah paying tickets for your fights yeah or exactly your pay-per-views like, whatever it may be they're supporting you yeah but they're I using think, your code yeah you know so like that's why as well like i teamed up with my protein over a year ago now like they're incredible to work with because they're on the same page where they're saying we don't want to influence you like we're with you because we like the way that you were working so we like you continue being you which the moment I heard that, I was like, that's ideal. Like, yeah. that's incredible. Like, um, the other brands weren't that really lenient. They wanted to say, we want this on each post. Like, we want these words exactly. Whereas my protein say, like, belt away. Like, you do whatever the way you'd word it. And, like, that's ideal then. And they're a brand that I like where they're heading as well. So, like, what they stand for is who I am as such. So it connected up well, but... I think that like social media is a tricky slope because there's so much influence on it. Like I, I go on that just to be influenced by people. Like just mm-hmm. like I want it to learn, you know, like if I follow coaches, I follow athletes, I follow like pages, like quotes and things like that. So when I read something, even if I'm not acknowledging it, like in that moment, I know it's in there somewhere. Um, and again, it's like, keep your circle small, keep your environment small. Social media is one of them too. Like, it's not just about people sitting around you. Like, people on your phone as well have the exact same influence, you know? For sure. And you have to figure that balance. I love unfollowing a shit ton of pages, you know, sometimes. Definitely unfollowed when I come off this. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> I won't use your, I won't put your my protein code I know, in the yeah, bucket. unfollowed. <laughs> nah. Block. You also teamed up with Freedom Clothing. Freedom, yeah. They're, um, they're a local brand uh, ran by Saoirse Noonan. She's a soccer player in Cork. Um, Saoirse Noonan, come on the podcast. Shout out for Saoirse. Go on, Saoirse. Um, yeah, so Freedom Clothing, they just, um, they didn't just launch it, but they launched it a while back. Um, and I've kind of been, like, not to have my eye on it, but I've been admiring it mm. um, since they launched it. Freedom, which is Saoirse in, like, Sa- Freedom. Saoirse is Freedom in Irish. Yeah. So okay. that's the meaning behind the name, um, which is cool. And then I like the people as well. So I teamed up with them, um, which is cool. Like, you know, I they, they're what I stand for as well. Mm. So when I had the opportunity to connect with them and kind of work with them, partner with them as such, like that's that's kind of where I wanted to be anyway, like growing up. Like I wanted to kind of be connected with people. So, yeah. but to attach my name to something as well, 
like that now and the business as well innovate like i'm very again selective with that where like i have my protein and freedom i'm an athlete for them and then innovate is the the brand with aaron the coaching brand he's massive he's a tank yeah he's aaron cooney absolutely massive what's his name again aaron cooney yeah so like i've known aaron for years now Um, was he your coach yeah so he was my coach like more strength and conditioning when i was amateur um so how old were you that would have been six years ago so yeah yeah yeah. i would have been 15 so um I was with him, I was working there, and then I'd done the PT qualification, so I was launching my PT, and he re- he was rebranding at the same time, so he just messaged me, asking me if I would be interested in that, so that's a massive opportunity as well, like coming as a new coach, to, to link up with someone that has over a decade experience, Yes. and again, like I, when I was coming into it, I wanted a role model as well, like mm. I knew that I could keep progressing and become better. But if I had someone there that knew the path, walked the path, and I was coming back to tell me this is how I would walk the path again, it's just going to get me there a lot faster. And like, again, going into this, as I said, everything I do gets it, like anything I do gets everything I got. Going into being a coach, it's not like I want to be just another PT because everyone has that qualification nowadays. If I'm going to be a coach, I want to become the best possible coach I can be. I'll, like, I don't want to be, like, okay, average, not even good. My goal is to be great, but I know that's going to take, like, a decade. It could take, like, for as long as it takes, really. But once I know I'm on the path, I'm kind of cool with that. The way we were saying while ago about basketball, become better at that. Once I know that I'm making improvements, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do the work. Like, just set me on the path, step out of my way, and let me just do it. The same with the run. Like, just... If I know that if I just keep running in this direction, that I'm going to like keep moving forward and succeed, I'm good with that. So to have that experience there as well every day when I step in the gym and then to train with him as well, like I'm learning so much. Um, Obviously, like he's put in the work, he's done the training, he's learned along the way. So I can keep picking up my education and then I have him as well with the experience to say like, look, how does this work? Or I'm not sure about this. What would you do here? Like it's priceless. Like, so I was blessed for that opportunity and I grabbed it with two hands and now it's moving forward. I really appreciate it when people are not possessive over their knowledge and like hide it. it. it They give it out, but you have to give it out in a, um, my dad used to tell me this where like the, the way he, he was, he's a very visual man and uh, he would, speak in metaphors sometimes so yeah. he always used to go there's like a little amber in your heart that you have to keep to yourself yeah and i completely believe that you if you want to go far in life if like we're talking about legacy and all that kind of stuff i do think there is a part of you where you have to give away certain information and give it away with love and not hold on to it yeah because Sure, it can take you far, it can make you money and you can get rich, but you, you're there alone. You never share your experience with you, anyone. Yeah. Versus when you have a good coach that is like, no, listen, this is how you do it. This is how he's not afraid of you taking his clients away from him. Yeah. Massive. You're not even on a level playing field, but then you can help each other out. Yeah. And I think back home we have a lot of that where it's like no we hold on to everything 
I, Ireland is a lot better in fairness. It's still quite hard to find good mentors sometimes. Yeah. You know, they're a little, they're not, no, it's not like they're cheeky or whatever, but I think it's like sometimes they just want to like, hold on. Like I think it's difficult to be a good coach anyway. Yeah. Like I've worked with a lot of coaches mm. and I've worked with, I've had the opportunity, like I've been blessed to have worked with great coaches as well, which is like class. Like I, when I'm in the room, when I'm in a training session with someone that's an exceptional coach, you can tell, like, and you have so much respect straight away for that. Um, like I've been at Tiger Muay Thai and the coaches there, like, now they are world level, like they are incredibly educated and incredibly experienced, but as coaches, how they can communicate, how they interact, how they care about the athletes was on a different level. Like, it's just different. It's hard to describe, but like I, I've read books as well from a lot of great coaches and like their mindset behind why they do it and why they speak. And it's a different ball game. So like when I decided to become a coach, now I could have became a PT years ago, but I knew I was going to be a good coach. Like at that time, like not a, not a chance. Like I was yeah. still trying to figure out how to be a good athlete. Never mind be a good coach. So it's a different thing. You have to have a certain level of experience as well. Like you have to have a certain level of things under your belt to say like oh that's that's how you're feeling i felt that or that's what you're going through i've been through that or like if i don't know the topic i'm going to study it relentlessly and then come back to you you kind of have to have a bit of security as well in yourself of if someone comes to you with a problem i can answer it i can help them or i can figure out how to help them and like when i was in thailand like those coaches there at tiger my Thai. Uh, Sean Cobra, especially Coach Cobes, um, again, uh, ex-military, which is, is, when I found that out, I was like, again, it's someone I'm drawn to. I've always kind of respected that. Um, so I respected him straight away, and I had to be like who he was, how he presented himself without even knowing his background. But as a coach as well, like how he communicated, like how he was able to show me, demonstrate and again, he looks like an absolute unit. So you automatically know that he's done the work as well. So if you're a unit, you're a good coach. You know, not necessarily, <laughs> but like you go, he he practices what he preaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know that he's like leading by example. Like he won't tell you to do something if he's not going to do it himself. I agree. Um, I feel like a lot of PTs nowadays are just embarking on social media with just pushing motivational content. And like you're yeah. doing it as well. Like it's just you training and then it's like I'm taking on one to one. I feel like there's slowly, but like we're moving, shifting away from before and after photos of yeah clients. The fo- there, that's a strange one. Now mm. I've never spoken as a coach on a podcast, so this is interesting. But the before and after photos, like I've never been a fan of them, but I understand their appeal in the industry. Okay. Like if you're looking for a coach and you see before and after, and it's an incredible transformation, you'll go, I want that. Yeah, I get that. Like. I'm not a fan of them because there's so much more work that goes on behind a photo. Like you change someone's entire life, but you don't see that in a photo. Like their mindset, they go from, I can't lift anything to I'm going to absolutely yeah. tear this up here. You know, their confidence there. Yeah. But it could also be the other way around too, where it's like they have an eating disorder and you don't know it. Yeah. Do you know things like that as there's well? Like them things as well, yeah. where, like before and after photo, you never see like a weight gain one as such. Like they're not as appealing to the general public. Where like you just got someone 
just like helped them so much with that, like an eating disorder. And like you, you just changed their life really. You just improved everything, which is going to have a roll on effect to everything else. But you put up that photo and people are just going to be like, oh, cool. And just go past it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a weird one, but you have to be like so invested in the people as well. Like you have to want to help people. And like a big reason I got into this and I've wanted to be like a coach for a long time was I've worked with great coaches, but I've also worked with horrible ones, especially on. Give me like, some red flags of horrible coaches, especially on the nutrition side of things. Like okay. I've worked with like nutritionists that like I would, they shouldn't even be allowed. Like there will be trouble. Like, you know, if they walk through the door, that kind of way, like where I have no respect at all for them because of what they've done. Like, it's easy to get someone to lose weight if you put them on, like, a 1,000 calories. That's easy. That's not difficult. And with my commitment and my work ethic, my discipline with something, it's definitely not difficult because you tell me to eat anything, and if I believe it's going to, like, if I believe you, which I should with a coach, I should always believe what you say, it's like I'm going to just do that all in. And that is, again, positive, but if it's applied to the wrong thing, it's negative. So, like, I've been on those 1,000-calorie diets. I've been on, like, so many, like, myths and fads that coaches have told me work, and I've believed them, Um, which is why when I worked with a good coach, uh, Luke Omani, uh, when I worked with him, I have so much respect for that, and I have so much appreciation, and I'll always be grateful for that, for him, and for the time they invested in me, because... Like he was like, look, we're going to take you away from that. Let me, we'll slow down the process. You're not going to lose weight as fast. You're not going to be in a shape as quickly as before, but you're going to have the habits. You're going to have like the routine set up. What uh, fads were you following before? What diet myths were you following I've, before? I've followed a load. Like um, oh. to a point of like, I had a nutritionist cut out carbs for like months because this is going to benefit you. You're going to lose a lot of weight. Granted, I lost weight, but I was also on no carbs, eating a thousand calories. So, like, life wasn't very good, if that makes sense. Like, energy levels were ground zero. Mood, probably. Training five days a week. School as well. Like, it was just torture. Um, And then, like, now I, I know what I could have been doing, which anno- frustrates me more, annoys me more. So, like, I, I love... My goal as a coach is to have the influence that like that coach had on me to as many people as possible a lot of people that are listening to this right now feel like they're in a waiting game yeah now i'm circling back to the start of our conversation where we have to recognize the difference between focusing on what we can control or can't but in saying that what has helped you or what advice would you give to people that unfortunately have to wait just enjoy where you are. Like I, I've I've been there as well. Where, <clears throat> like as you said, like the visa there as well. You mentioned it. Like where I was in Thailand, wait. Like what? Even zoom out. When I was fifteen, waiting to move away. Like I think I've wasted a lot of years there, waiting for something. Like waiting to not even turn pro, but like just chasing the next thing. Which one is the source of my constant like need for growth, my constant need for improvement. But two, it kind of takes away from where you are right now. Like I was in Thailand waiting to go home to collect my visa. Whereas I was in a beautiful destination with a lot of amazing people on a beach, like, you know, training, living, like had an amazing opportunity there. And I just wasn't looking at it with the right perspective where 
I wasn't, I don't think I've appreciated it enough. I wasn't grateful enough. So I think waiting, yeah, like, and again, it's about controlling what you can. If you know that there's nothing you can do, you just have to wait it out. Just having the attitude of I'm here and I'm going to make the most of where I am right now is a big one. And that's a big lesson I've learned over the past year where I'm looking back now going, I could have appreciated that more. And I think thing of picking up no regrets, if I did have to, like get so picky and pick out a regret it would be that where i was chasing not improvement too much but chasing a destination like i had my eyes set in that, that i couldn't see where i was right now i was so focused on the next place i didn't see the one that i was standing um so i think that if you can if you can like just enjoy where you are mm. simple as that sounds um just do that like yeah. slow down i agree with that i highly relate to that as well because i was just daydreaming of how life would be once I leave my country daydreaming yeah. of when I have a nice podcast studio yeah and then I was just grumpy the whole time when I didn't have a nice podcast studio like yeah it's always the case and it's always in hindsight as you look back that you yeah. look back and then you're like I think it's that mentality too though that you want to improve yeah. you want better you want more you mm. you want to be where you can possibly be you're yeah. chasing that best version so yeah like that need for improvement that need for growth is like it's good but it can also be a little negative if you just mm. let that be your entire focus and you don't see where you are like you don't see the improvement that you've already made like at a certain point you were wanting to be where you are now like you were chasing it waiting for the point where you are today to only not appreciate it and chase the next one um so I think, again, it's trying to find the balance there. But that's just going to go with time. Like, honestly with yourself, like, having even, even having this conversation, we're just making it aware. Mm -hmm. You can kind of put yourself in check as well and you just call yourself out. And the next time you're saying, I'd love to be there. Like, well, actually, I'd love to be here as well. So, yeah, just just work. It's like just getting out of that chase. It's improvement. You know? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's uh, just... I think it's just trusting your future self enough to go like, okay... It's going to happen. Yeah. Now I just have to put my head down and figure it out. Yeah, like trusting who you are now that, yeah, I'm putting in the work. Like, mm. I'm going to get there. That's good. Yeah. I have faith where I am. I have faith in who I am and I have faith in where I'm going. But again, it's easier said than done. Like, you can all fall into the, that kind of mindset of, I'd love to be there. And I think, again, like, coming back from social media, it always looks like the grass is greener. Where if you go on holidays, we'd say, you can go anywhere. Go to Italy. And you're like... You see someone that's in Spain, you're like, geez, I'd love to be in Spain. <laughs> Whereas you just went to Italy. Do you know, I think it's because we see so much more and it's the way our mindsets are now. It's mm. the way it's kind of programmed. That's, that's just how it is, like, you know. That's completely how it is. And I think figuring, I'm, where am I going with this? Uh -huh. And you're so focused. Yeah. I feel like for me, it was so weird that the moment that I left Malta and I moved to Ireland, my strategy was master's degree that was my path yeah. to leave i did not enjoy ireland because i was so focused on yeah. making sure that i get that done so yeah. you always go like oh when i go to thailand i'm gonna be at the beach yeah. it's gonna be so lovely and it's like no because if i actually go to the beach i'm gonna be like really guilty about yeah. not being in the gym or something whatever or your perspective changes whereas yeah. you want to be there and then you get there and you're just looking at something else mm -hmm. like you're like okay i'm here what's now next? that's great yeah what's next what i've read so far when it comes to that sort of stuff is setting a goal that is unachievable 
But what they yeah. mean by setting goals that are unachievable is rather than being like, I want a six pack going, I want to be as healthy as possible. Yeah, so there's no destination. There's, there's no destination. It's just constant checkpoints where yeah. it's like up until the very last day of your life, you're going to try and be as healthy as possible. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be like my ultimate goal, like mm. to be the ultimate version of myself. Is that um, your goal? That would be the ultimate because it's one I'm never going to. I'm never going to catch it. And how? I'm never going to become the best version of myself, but I can also become closer to that person. But how do you visualize the best version of yourself? Like, who is the best James in your perspective? I'm going to just figure it out. Like, I'm only scratching the surface now. You know, like, um, I think fitness as well um, allows me to really, I suppose, reveal it. Like, I can become better at that. Like, I can always become better at whatever skill it is. But again, I have, like, you can do anything can't do everything so i have to choose what i'm going to come better at but everything that i do reveals a different part about who i am so like the running displayed a different like part of my character than boxing did lifting displays a different part of my character than to do with those so if i can keep just getting these things podcasts books all those that just work on a different part of me i can improve it i can just keep improving and keep getting closer to that person um I think two quotes that really like hit home with me was I think in Ed Millette was like um was this or they're both kind of the same quotes was like true hell is when the person you are meets the person you could have been. Oof. And it's like that when I heard that I was like, That's it. That's my mentality. Like that's the that's the one where it sums up everything, the regret, the work ethic, the focus, the consistency where I'm chasing the best possible version of myself. And if I cut corners, I know that like down the line, this is not actually the true, ver- the best version of myself because I left something in the tank back then. And like, yes, you can forgive yourself then, but I'd have to come to terms with it at that point. And I don't want to put myself in that position. So like, I don't want to put my future self in the position of having to deal with I cut corners here and it's because I want to become the best and that unattainable goal is all out 100% my character maxed out in this life like this game Hmm. and like I'm never catching that but every single day I wake up I'm going to chase it what does your day look like right now um like wake up uh uh I'm, I'm early I'm an early riser I always am so Sleep is one that I have to be on point because I'll wake up at half five, six anyway, regardless of a, if I get eight hours. So I have to really make sure that I get eight hours. Um, so I'll wake up at half five, six. I have the dog now as well. I got the pup. Um, have to look after you him. You have a gorgeous months. mastiff, eh? Uh, he's a little pocket bully. Oh, he's shit. Tank. Yeah, he's, um, he's big now as well. Like he's, he'll be about 40 plus kilo. But he's he's he like he's low, so he's built like a barrel. Like, but um, genuinely, when did you get him? I got him. He is eleven months now, so I got him when he was like three months. But I was, do you know what? I was hesitant because I've always wanted um like an American bully. Um, I always wanted like a pocket bully or something like that, like an XL, something along those lines. But they have a bad rap. They have a bad reputation. So I wanted to make sure that when I got him, I was mature enough. To, mm. to be responsible for him that like i could train him i could make sure he's in check because he's not having any leeway like if a jack russell growls it's fun and games but if he growls 
he's automatically like a villain. Like he's he's yeah. bad. Yeah. But I've been blessed. I'm not joking you. He is the best dog I've ever not not the best dog I've ever owned, but the best like one of the best dogs I've ever seen. Like he's indifferent. He's so calm. Temperament is it's almost ridiculous. Like I could bring him in here and put him anywhere in his room and he'll just stay there. I'm so jealous. It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. So but anyway, back to the day. Um wake up bring him for a walk or let him out of the house, just bring him somewhere, bring him back. Um, supplements, hydration, like keeping things in check. And again, there's going to be a knock-on effect there. If I slack in the morning, like my, mo- my morning routine is so important to me because it's going to build momentum for the rest of my day. So I know if I slack off in the morning, it's going to have that domino effect in the evening and I'm just not going to be the best that day. And again, like I have, we were talking about coming to terms with things and letting go a little yeah i've only come to terms with now and i'm only beginning to kind of control it is if i slip up at a part of the day i kind of have to sit that day out like if my training session goes horrible and i miss a lift or i miss my boxing or i have a very bad day of sparring or my run goes horrible or something i kind of have to pull back from the day and be like look i just have to wait until tomorrow like I didn't get progress today, you know. Um, now I'll still do the work, I'll still show up, but in my head, I'm like, I could have aced this and I missed that chance, and I only had one opportunity at today. So, like, it's a different one, but I can let go of it now. Whereas before, kind of used to like torment me for a while. It used to drag on, like, you where you're like, look, I'm with chasing that version of myself, like the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. Like, I only have, we say, a limited amount of time to do this. Yeah. And I just let a day go by. And I missed this chance, you know, like um, I could do it again, but it's not going to be the same training session. Like I could do it again. It's not going to be the same sparring session. And it's just coming to terms with that. Yeah. But again, it's all about just working on it. I know. I know. That, that's the one thing that I used to get like really hard on myself when it came to sports. If you slipped up? If I slipped up. And I used to get very angry because let's say when, uh, when I was a winger, there was only a few sh- sessions yeah. where there was a, exercise specifically focused on wingers and i fucked it up yeah i would i i wouldn't lose it but i would be very hard on myself like very angry yeah just like trying to hold back the tears just being like i think in the sport people can kind of understand it because it's like oh yeah yeah you got i understand because it's in your sport that was your opportunity but that mentality carries over to everything everything like everything you do everything everything even just so now like this podcast is my sport you know it's like when it wasn't going well no i have fucking i have to take it back a notch recreate to something different there is no fucking way that i do not want to improve like okay is not okay for me yeah does that make sense yeah like going through the motions is not yeah yeah, yeah. that's not the goal it's like being hard on yourself but i feel like being hard on myself is like self-care sometimes yeah 100 (laughs) percent. because i'm taking care of future me (laughs) yeah i get you like i I relate to that and it's like the thing of like when people say oh like just take the day off or just relax or fuck you you take the day off yeah you get me i'm like I'm focused on just trying to be better today. Like it doesn't, yeah. this is my, like, this is my take the day off. Like this is my, <laughs> this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um. So I get that. Like it carries over to everything though. Like mm-hmm. now fitness is a big one for me because like I kind of do that a lot. So like, but it doesn't really matter there. Like, like a set, if I'm doing like lifting the weight, if I mess up that opportunity and I know what I done last week, let's say last week I done eight reps, 
So this week it should be nine or ten. Like it should be more. If I miss that, like if I miss that set and I get six, I can't do it again because like I've already wasted energy and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just have to wait a week now. Do you know? I <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing. have to wait an entire thing. week to do this again. I know. That's the one thing that I have as well is I constantly, that's probably one of my vices. I feel like I just have to wait, pause, yeah. and I have to redo it. Then we're grand. Then, yeah. then we're fine. If I figure this out, then we're all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool again. Yeah. I'm not in a mood. But... um. Yeah, it's just about like waiting it out. And uh, I would like to get in, not indifferent to it, but it's about figuring out that balance of... Controlling it. Yeah, if I didn't run fast enough or if I struggled a little bit this time around, I shouldn't wait for my next session to feel better about myself because I still... I, I show... Yeah. yeah, But I think it it keeps you locked in as well. Well, it keeps me locked in. And again out of the fear of having to deal with taking that step back and having to deal with that yeah. I'm so locked in like my training is my training doesn't like I try to make sure nothing interferes with that mm-hmm. amount of time yeah. whereas I so I can go in there and make sure I'm nailing it like yeah. this is my set that's you like this is my spare exactly. like whatever I'm doing whatever I have to progress on I'll do everything possible to make sure that I'm going to progress on it because like it doesn't happen as much anymore, but I think it's because I'm locked in. Yeah. Like I'm focused on it. Like I have the variables kind of under control. Nothing can kind of come in and just blow it out of the water. No. So I can keep progressing gradually on it, you know? Um, but yeah, day in the life, half five, six wake up. Um spend time with Rogan. Then yeah, Rogan's the dog's name. Um, just in case anyone. Ah, okay. I'm saying Rogan. I'm like, yeah. Do you uh, just wake up to Joe Rogan? And probably, yeah. Do you know what? I actually, so I made like a commitment a few years ago of like two podcasts a day. Mm-hmm. So like every single day, I've listened to two podcasts. So like I've like Joe Rogan was the one for ages. So I've listened to almost every Joe Rogan podcast, um, and a few of them like multiple times. Yeah, but. Like every single day I try and listen to two. Um, so I'd probably when I'm coming back and I'm eating breakfast or whatever, um, I'd meditate, I'd journal, um, I'd probably do some breath work, then I would eat and then I'd do my sup- like take supplements, and then I would put on a podcast and I just listen to that whatever I'm doing. Um then I usually do some online work. Uh, I kinda like to do that in the mornings because I know if I put it off to the evening. I'm just going to be thinking about that for the entire day. So I just get that done. The online clients, like the check-ins, changing the programs, plans, whatever. Then I'll go train. And then like throwing a few walks here and there as well. Then I have clients usually um, in the evenings. I might have a few clients in the morning as well. Um, But that's kind of how my day runs in. And then bed, not podcast, then like either on the walks or maybe another one if I'm sitting down. I wouldn't really watch like, well, I do watch Netflix and things, but... I'd rather put on a podcast and yeah. just sit down and watch it. Um, like you were saying, Diary CEO, like I throw that on. I throw on Joe Rogan. I throw on anything really, like even Tio Vaughn or like mm-hmm. Joey Diaz or something. Yeah, I I think sometimes it's good to just throw on, even if it is a podcast, something just something light hearted. Yeah, because then no, you, you be get stuck in an information loop where all you're doing is consuming. And yeah, that happened to me with um. So the first few eighty kilometer runs I done. Yeah, I used to have podcasts on. Mm. And like halfway, like, oh, I never even heard them. 
Like yeah. they were playing in the background. It was just background noise. And like the week after the run, I was listening to a podcast. Um, one of the very first 80s I'd done. And something clicked in like the last minute of a podcast. Something clicked. And I was like, I heard this before. Mm-hmm. So there's zero point in me trying to consume this amount of information in one day. Yeah. So then I just stopped doing it. Exactly. But like, I think that happens as well. Like over and over again, you kind of just tune out and focus on your own thing. I think a lot of people as well rely on podcasts too much to feed them information. Yeah. And it's about using social media, using the internet, whoops, using the internet as like, if I want to learn more about, let's say, breathwork, use the internet, like get all these articles and and then go to the podcast versus Wim Hof is the only guy. Wim Hof is class, don't get me wrong. But like, if you're just going to keep listening to Wim Hof be a guest on every single podcast, you're going to be hearing the same thing. Yeah. The same thing, and it's only one, only one, really one point of view, one perspective. Exactly. But it's why I love podcasts. Why I love books as well. Like you, can, books, yeah. like a book, you can get someone's entire life story mm-hmm. for like twenty or like yeah. that's everything they've ever learned, and yeah. you just read that, and you're like, I know that person now. Yeah. Like I know what they've done as well as much as they are willing to share, but the best books they're sharing a lot. Yeah. Same with a podcast. Put on like you'll have someone's story. Well might have their story but you'll have their perspective you'll have some insights even if one thing clicks from every podcast like you just picked up so much information on long term but mm-hmm. you have to look at these things long term like if i get one sentence from every podcast and i'm listening to two podcasts a day or one podcast a day that's like seven sentences a week that's like so many if you just look at it if you zoom out and look at it as a bigger picture yeah um but that's pretty much my day like nothing really changes as such like Again, I'm locked in. I like routine. I like consistency. I like knowing what I have to do. Um, Sundays be a little bit more relaxed where I kind of chill out. Um, Visualization on Sunday as well is a big thing for me. And I think that helped a lot where if I can visualize the week ahead or visualize just Monday, Mm -hmm. like what I have to do, what time I'm going to wake up, then what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the dog. I'm going to go for a walk. Then I'm going to come home. I'm going to hydrate do breath work then i'm gonna cook breakfast and just like this one i'm gonna have i'm gonna have eggs or i'm gonna have avocado or then i might wake up the next day and go i don't actually want eggs and avocado but i'll have a plan mapped out and it allows me to not waste time or hesitate i wake up i know what i gotta do yeah um so so i spend time on sunday i always take time to kind of step back reset um even reflect on the week that just went by and like if something went wrong that week for the week ahead, I'll visualize how I'm going to correct that mm-hmm. and then move from there and then progress and then same thing next Sunday and just keep doing that. So that's it really. Family, training, work, um, podcast, books, yeah. like growth, whatever. Exactly. Uh, that's my week. Perfect. My day. I think we're all done, James. What do you think? think? So? Yeah. Good. I think we're all good. All Thank good you morning. for having me. Thank you for joining me. Good. You are such an inspiration and... I hope that all the young lads and girls are looking up to you because you're fucking putting your money where your mouth is. (laughs) Appreciate that. Cheers. Thank you.